Hey there, I'm Lucas Fitz. If you know me, you know two things to be true. I love a good pair of denim, and I'm always here for the stories. When I first got into the heritage goods movement and buying intentionally, I looked to American Field as an industry leader in connecting cool brands to cool consumers. There's nothing better than hearing the story behind how a big idea grew into a business. Now, we're bringing it online and inviting you to join in the conversation, whether you're watching or listening along from wherever you call home. I'll be hosting these fireside chats, intimate, personal looks at the inner workings of some of our favorite brands on our AF network. So, sit down, grab a whiskey or coffee or beer, and ride along as we shine the spotlight on real people and real stories. This is AF Fireside. Today's episode is presented by Jamestown, a global real estate investment and management company known for transforming spaces into innovation hubs and community centers. Learn more at jamestownlp.com. Hey there, welcome back to AF Fireside. Got another good one for you today. I've got Ariana Fuerta and Kylie McKinnon, who are the creative minds and executors behind a cool new brand called Half Days that we've been really stoked on over at American Field. Uh, so stoked to talk to you guys. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Surviving. We're we're in this weird like false spring uh, energy up here in Massachusetts where it's like 50 degrees out and really nice. Uh, but I understand that's kind of what Colorado is like all the time where you don't know what season it is. Well, a little bit. It was like 50 degrees on Monday, but it actually snowed about, I don't know, a foot or two last night here in Denver. So we're always wow. going back and forth. We never really know what the weather's going to be like here. Yeah, that's wild. I'm not sure that I could. I guess you just layer a lot, right? You just have layers all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Cool. Well, so you guys are pretty new to the market. Uh, I'm excited to kind of dive a little bit into the process of the last year or so, but I think it's best to start out uh, giving anybody that hasn't heard of the brand yet uh, a quick rundown of what exactly Half Days is doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll try to keep this as short as possible, like a one sentence rundown of Half Days, <laughs> but essentially Half Days is a ski wear and outdoor apparel brand for the modern woman. Uh, we create apparel that is both fashion forward and functional. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and a cool component of what you guys are doing uh, that I think is important to share right at the get-go. Kylie, tell us tell us about your experience leading up to uh, the genesis of the brand. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I was actually a professional skier for about eight years in the sport of freestyle aerials. Um, I competed in the 2018 Winter Olympics and I was also the 2015 World Cup overall champion. So I've been in the ski world for a very, very long time. And also just to give a little bit of background about what aerials is, because a lot of the times people don't know. I usually like to describe it as skiing into a massive jump, trying to do a bunch of flips and twists and land on your feet and ski away. Um, so easy. that's what I did. Yeah, super, super easy. Um, yeah, I did that for about eight years of my life. And when I retired from the sport, I realized that there was something missing when it came to the outdoor industry, and that was um, a woman-run skiwear company. So that's really how the idea came about. But yeah, I think having that background in skiing um, and wearing so many different brands definitely helped um, with the idea of Half Days. Cool. Well, we'll dive in a little later to uh, your 
crazy aerial <laughs> experience <laughs> and how terrifying that is. But let's dive yes. in kind of to the nitty gritty of the brand. And, and I know, you know, just in talking to friends and even even myself over the course of the last year, you know, during quarantine and being stuck at home, I know a lot of people have had this instinct uh, to start a brand or start a business or maybe turn the thing that they love doing on nights and weekends into something that generates some revenue for them. And I think a lot of people have had that thought, but you guys have actually executed on that and started to build a really cool brand and tell a really cool story in a time where everything is harder mentally, physically, logistically. Can you give us uh, you know, a little bit of a how I built this story about what, what you've done so far in the last year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're exactly right about kind of starting this during a very odd time for the entire world. And um, it's definitely not been an easy feat to get to the point that we are. And I you know, totally agree. I think a lot of people, including us, have these ideas of starting companies. And um, to be completely frank, we had the idea and started to execute on it well before we'd heard of COVID-19. Um, so I think that that was, you know, one thing to be cognizant of in this conversation is like, we, you know, really wanted to do this and we decided to go for it. I actually quit my full-time job like a month before the U.S. went into a full-on lockdown. So um, that happens. was a really scary thing. Um, but, you know, at that point we kind of were like, all right, we're doing this. We have to run with it. Um, so yeah, to give you sort of a high level on, on really how we got to where we are today. Um, I met Kylie uh, in the summer of 2019 and I actually met her through her brother, which is kind of a funny story. Um, he, I met him shortly after I moved to Denver and we were dating, we're still dating. And oh, um, okay, cool. I met Kylie from her visiting a weekend um, shortly after I met her brother. So it's pretty funny. Um, if I didn't meet her brother, we wouldn't have met and Hathis wouldn't be here, which is so funny. Um, the family, very cool. Exactly, exactly. And then we started a company together. So, um, so yeah, so Kylie and I started, you know, really talking about this and I think kind of having her background of skiing and having worn so many ski wear brands throughout her career and me, a consumer that was frustrated about not really having ski wear that fit well and made me feel good, um, but was also at kind of an approachable price point and also had some of those fashion elements to it. Um, you know, we came together and we're, we're really like, let's go ahead and take this on and, and really create a product that is, is going to bring more women into outdoor sports, more women into winter sports and skiing and um, we really decided to start that in the fall of 2019, again, before we knew about COVID. Um, right. And, you know, it, it really couldn't have been better timing, I think, because, you know, a few months later after we are really working on it full time early 2020, we didn't really have anything else to be doing when when the country went into lockdown, you know, we weren't having like FOMO from working all the time and like not being able to see friends because everyone was just at home and kind of in lockdown. So that was, I would say one, one advantageous thing sure. um, throughout that process. But yeah, I mean, we definitely had a lot of kind of COVID related manufacturing and shipping issues along the way, which we can dive into a little bit more, but we, we really got started with um, kind of the product development process right away at the end of 2019 and started doing that pretty much full-time early 2020. And over the course of the next kind of nine months, nine to 11 months, we worked every day on the product development, really bringing all the pieces of the puzzle together from an operation side to really launch the company. Um, in March of 2020, we actually brought on a third co-founder. She's not 
on this call today, but um, her name is Corral and we actually brought her on literally like the day before the US went into lockdown. And um, that was pretty wild. We were like, yeah, do you want to join the team? And then she's like, yeah, I'm going to fly to Denver to meet you guys. And then she had to cancel her flight. We didn't meet her in person until July, which wow. was kind of wild. Um, and it, it ended up being amazing and, and we're really happy about that decision but um yeah we launched the company in november and it was a little bit later than we had hoped kind of really wanting to hit that october time frame leading up to the ski season but um it all has has really turned out for the best and we were able to success, successfully launch in november and um we've really gained some amazing traction up to this point very cool very cool. I love love hearing these stories of brands that um, identify identify a need in a market that there isn't a solution for already, and then dive in and create that solution. Those are always my favorite stories to hear. I think. But one thing that's always confusing to me, and I know it's separate from niche to niche, but how do you, if you're not coming in with experience, uh, you know, and and did you guys did you guys have backgrounds in design or product construction or manufacturing? Mm -hmm. Making no. heads no, <laughs> wild. So no. wh where where do you start when you say, okay, this is the idea, this is what the goal is. What's the first step that you take? Yeah, that's a great question. And I asked myself that many, many times when we first started this company because yeah, no, I had absolutely no design background and had no idea how to take this vision that I had and make it come to life. So really when we first started this company, and decided that we wanted to really move forward with it. We initially were like, okay, maybe we can work with this like end-to-end -end product development company who really knows what they're doing. They can help us with all um, aspects of the design from start to finish. And then kind of to talk about a little bit more with COVID, we were initially planning on working with them. And then when COVID happened, um, all the factories in the US shut down. They said that they weren't gonna be able to meet our timelines and we totally had to, change directions we had to start looking overseas for somewhere to manufacture so that we could be able to launch for this year so it was definitely a lot of different back and forth and learning as we were going but for the design aspect of it it was really about finding people out there in the world who did know what they were doing when it came to design and finding people that really kind of resonated with what we were looking for and luckily we were able to find some awesome freelancers who I was able to kind of explain exactly what I was looking for, what technical aspects, what design aspects, everything that I really wanted to see in our ski wear, being able to tell them what I was looking for and having them help me bring it to life. So luckily there are other people that do have a background in design. So um, right. that was definitely super, super helpful, but it's been an insane learning experience. And of course we decided to, you know, pick apparel that's the most technical and probably the hardest apparel that you can make which is ski wear sure. <laughs> um so you know it's not like making a t-shirt or a pair of sweatpants it's definitely um there's a lot that goes into it and i've learned more than i ever thought i would about waterproof ykk zippers never realized how technical those were but um there are a lot of different things when it comes to zippers that you choose for ski wear but yeah, I think um, I've already learned so, so much when it comes to technical outerwear. And we're, we've been so lucky to find people who are really excited about our vision and our brand and who have wanted to help us bring it to life. Cool. I think that's really admirable uh, that you guys had this idea 
you know, I, I know myself well enough to know that if I had a great idea like that and chose to execute it, I would not ask for help immediately. You know, I, I wouldn't immediately think to go, okay, well, where can I, where can I go and find expertise? I would think I would try to do it myself and ultimately give up after a couple of days. So that's really cool uh, that you guys found, you know, some trusted connections and partners to be able to help you flesh the vision out. I'm curious how you learned to communicate uh, like the specific needs of your product and, and of the brand uh, that are super technical. How'd you learn to communicate those to manufacturers and partners and designers? Um, honestly, it was just kind of learning as I was going. Um, you know, there's so many technical things when it comes to design, like a BOM and a tech pack and all that kind of stuff. And I kept hearing all these terms of what went into creating gear. And the more and more we talked about it, the more I understood what it meant. And I was kind of just, you know, as I said, learning as I went, I was like, okay, a tech pack, that's when they're putting all the designs together and like showing all the specs. And then the BOM is like the bill of measurements where they're like showing all of that kind of stuff of like what goes into, um, you know, each aspect of the jacket, whether it's the fill or the, um, outerwear shell fabric or whatever it might be there's just so many different things that go into it and like I said I was just learning from what I was hearing other people talking about and kind of asking questions it's all about asking questions and learning from them because I literally didn't know what anything was as I started so um, and again I'm still learning but I think the more you ask questions the more you reach out to people I mean Ari and I we can both agree that we've gotten so much help from people in the industry. So many people are willing to help and reach out and give you advice when you have questions. And I think that's something that is really important for people to know is that like in this crazy time and when you're starting a company, like people are just out there to help you. Like if you ask questions, they're there to answer for you and everyone wants to see other people succeed. And I think that's something that we've really um, seen from the start of this company every time we've asked someone to help, they've always been willing to give us advice. Yeah, that's a really cool phenomenon that, you know, you, you got to wonder, is this something that's unique to the sportswear industry or to the apparel industry? But really, the, this, uh, the concept of community over competition, most of the times is like ingrained into the DNA of being a part of the small business community. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. a really cool thing that you, you do not see <laughs> at, at a corporate yeah. level. Um, and also just to, um, <laughs> as I'm learning, as I go, I just realized that I said a BOM is a bill of measurement and it's a bill of material. So I'm literally just like saying things I like, I know what I'm talking about, but I catch myself uh, all the time saying the wrong thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's definitely it was, this. And then I'm like, no, it's not. Did I sound like I knew what I was talking about? Yeah, that's 95% <laughs> of it though. Right. I, I bought it. Um, but isn't Perfect. that such a cool moment where, you know, after a year, X amount of time, you look back and you're like, oh, I actually, I actually do know what I'm talking about now. Yeah. Are you well, guys feeling I like, like think, I like to think that at least. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys are like feeling it? You're kind of at that point where it's like, okay, now, now I've, I've done enough research and I've had enough experience to be able to really hold a conversation and, and communicate those needs. I mean, it's, it's honestly so crazy. Like Kylie totally dove into the product development process and kind of side of the business without having any 
technical design or apparel experience other than wearing the product for like literally her entire life. So I think that was one thing that made her really be able to kind of dive into it a little bit easier than, you know, if you weren't a skier or had been wearing this stuff your entire life. But yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm so proud of Kylie for just kind of diving in and really, really embracing it. I think it's definitely one of the like harder things you could do is, is coming into kind of something that's so technical and um, working with designers who like, you know, we worked with so many incredible kind of consultants along the way that really helped us in terms of again, you know, creating the tech packs and the BOMs and the sketches and com helping communicate with the manufacturers. But Kylie was actually the one communicating with the factories pretty much like all throughout the process. And I think that that was one really unique thing is we have direct relationships with every single one of our trim suppliers, our factories, um, our shipping companies. Like I think so many companies use agencies to kind of bridge that gap. And mm -hmm. that's one thing that we didn't want to do. We were like, we want to be talking to these people directly and, yeah. um, you know, getting on, we get on like zoom calls with our fabric suppliers in Taiwan and they're like the sweetest, nicest people. <laughs> and it's like the most fun thing. Um, but I think that was one really interesting thing that we kind of wanted to hold close to us, but also that Kylie definitely just dove into and, and they're like asking her all these technical questions and she's like texting the consultant being like, ah, uh, like, what does this mean? What does this mean? But we still figured it out at the end of the day. So I think that was definitely one really cool thing. And it's, it is really funny to look back because we'll get on zoom calls now with people that reach out to us that are like, Hey, I'm thinking about starting X apparel company, whatever it might be. And they're asking us all the same questions that we were asking kind of our yeah. advisors and things like that a year and a oh, half cool. ago or, or even more. So I think that it definitely is a really cool feeling to kind of see the growth in the team like that. Yeah. Well, and I think you speak to a really important point, uh, you know, in, in being, and, and, and I can feel this similarly from the denim and heritage industry, right? Like the product and the quality has to come first. You know, you guys have so many cool differentiators, so many cool uh, facets of the company to talk about, but you guys have this understanding that at the end of the day, if the product isn't there, then all of it is, you know, it's, it's totally nullified. Um, so that's really cool. And I'm, I'm curious, Kylie, do you think where, where did your experience as an athlete and, uh, you know, wearing all these different gear that, that you speak of and having all these different corporate sponsorships, did that give you a leg up in understanding design? Um, I think definitely it helped um, just being able to wear so many different um, outerwear brands over the years and really kind of getting an idea of like what aspects need to be there when it comes to technical apparel. Obviously, there are things that are necessary. I mean, the, the gear has to be waterproof. It has to have, in my opinion, a hood that fits over the helmet, certain pockets. Like there are aspects of the jacket that I've learned from wearing over the years that I was like, okay, I know that I need to take those things and put it into our gear. But then also able to kind of look at what the brands have and taking out some of the aspects that I didn't think were fully necessary to make a more simple product overall. So I definitely think that if I hadn't been so involved in the ski industry as an athlete, um, I wouldn't have been able to kind of translate those ideas and visions over to the designers. Totally. So excuse any ignorance that I have here. My experience skiing is going cross-country skiing on a <laughs> golf course with my mom when I was like six and hating every second of it. Um, so, so maybe this isn't relevant, but to what degree do you factor in kind of casual everyday wear into the design of the products? Is it, are you, if you have a half day's 
you know technical jacket is it something that you're you'd be comfortable kind of walking around wearing on a trip to the mall etc etc you know yeah definitely i think one of our biggest thing when starting this company was kind of finding that in between of fashion and function so that mm -hmm. our ski wear could still be used as an everyday jacket specifically um our lawrence and aston jackets um because we really wanted to make sure that people felt good when it when they were on and off the mountain and a big thing for us was really looking at what we were wearing on a daily basis whether that was looking into our closets seeing what colors we were wearing what styles we liked so that we could really translate that to something that you'd want to wear when you were skiing or something that you'd want to wear when you're just walking down the street in the city um, because a big thing for us was that we had a hard time finding one ski gear that fit us really well and then two finding ski wear that came in colors and the simplicity that we were looking for. So we really wanted to take what was already being done in the industry. Obviously there are, are many amazing ski wear companies out there already doing great things, but how could we kind of take those ideas, simplify them and make them more for the everyday person? So that if you weren't a super technical skier who was skiing backcountry on a daily basis, but just wanted to go ski a few runs for the day and then sit at the lodge with their friends, how could we kind of translate that and create a brand that really resonated with that type of consumer? Sure. So, uh, and I'm surprised we haven't gotten this already, but how, what strategies did you use to be able to, or how is your approach different being uh, a brand geared specifically towards women in, in out, the outdoor sports world? Definitely. Like I kind of said before, it was really kind of finding that gap between fashion and function. So sure. there's a lot of brands out there right now that are super fashionable, which do resonate with some people, but they're extremely expensive and not mm -hmm. every person wants to wear those types of brands. And then when it comes to the super, super technical, if you are not a hardcore skier, you don't usually tend to resonate with those brands. And I know Ariana can kind of attest to that, but there's not really a brand until half days that really kind of met in the middle where we did have those technical aspects, but still hit more of that fashion side, which we think really hits the majority of consumers um, that are, you know, just an everyday casual skier who just wants to have fun and not take themselves too seriously. Totally. Cool. I think you guys address, obviously, a, a, a important demographic. Uh, and definitely an underrepresented and underserved demographic in uh, the world of outdoor recreation. Can you guys speak to the experience so far of being, you know, a, a fully female-led team in a male-dominated industry? Yeah, absolutely. So I, this is such an interesting thing to me, and I think that our team has started to really understand kind of the um, intensity of that and. I don't want to say that in like a negative way by any means. I think the outdoor, the outdoor industry, first of all, is amazing. And I think there's so many incredible brands, incredible people in it. And we've already experienced how kind and willing to help so many people and companies are in this space. Um, I think it's the, the industry overall has traditionally been male dominated because a lot of um, the companies have been started by men. And I, I think that's just kind of how it's been for a really long time. And I think it is also an industry that's lagging a little bit and kind of being a little bit more progressive in terms of 
really creating opportunity and, and bringing more women into this space. And, you know, that doesn't go for the entire industry. I think so many people are doing awesome things, but I do think compared to a few other industries, it is a little bit behind in that regard. Um, I, I'll also say that, you know, this year has been really eye-opening for us. Like we're talking to different retailers and, you know, some big wholesale accounts and things like that. And you don't really understand how male dominated it is until you're kind of like, you know, on a call with someone and they're like, oh yeah, I just had a meeting, you know, early in 2020 in person with this ski company and they brought 35 people from their team to this meeting and 34 of them are men. And I was like, that is absolutely insane. And I think again, you know, we didn't really understand how crazy that was and, and kind of how big that divide was until we started to talk to more people in this industry. But, you know, having an entirely um, female team, I think we have like two people on our team that are men who are like freelancers slash advisors. Um, but the rest kind of so far, full-time employees are all women, which has been really, really fun. And kind of just this community that we're trying to cultivate is, is really about bringing more women into outdoor sports and allowing them to see that, you know, it can be done by women. And, and I think, you know, you asked a little bit too about the product and how how we were going about, you know, creating products for, for women. And I see other brands that are kind of bubbling up in this space, but they launch with men's gear and women's gear. And I think mm -hmm. that's our one differentiator. It's like, as of right now, we have no plans to expand into menswear. And I think being able to build a company from the ground up for women, by women, making every decision that we make for women is definitely a huge differentiator when it comes to, you know, our social media, our messaging, our product design everything that goes into pretty much all the operations of the business. It just, we're taking a totally different perspective on it. And, you know, I definitely think that it, people are, you know, seeing that and feeling it in, in the brand that we're putting out there so far. That's awesome. Do you guys have plans kind of, you know, looking down the road on a, on a greater scale? Uh, do you guys have plans to, you know, continue to amplify, I guess, what are your plans to continue to amplify women's voices? Uh, in winter recreation outdoors. I keep calling yeah, it different absolutely. things. What do, you, what do you, what do you call the industry? <laughs> <laughs> the outdoor industry. Yeah. Outdoor industry. Okay, For cool. Sure. We'll go really yeah. general. Um, yeah, definitely. I, you know, it's a great question and we have a ton of things that we're planning to do. Um, this season has been so crazy for us because we launched in November. It was all, it was like right around the holidays and it was just like all so fast. I can't believe it's already almost March. It's crazy. Um, but this season has been so busy for us. We're just trying to keep our head above water in terms yeah. of getting orders out and things like that. Um, and with that said, you know, one of the big initiatives moving forward is community. We want to really create a community around the brand and kind of foster like an environment where through our social channels or in-person events as, you know, COVID starts to right. hopefully wean <laughs> off a little bit over the next year. Um, being able to do in-person events where we're inviting maybe maybe it's like people nominating their friends who've never skied before and getting them out on the mountain with with our team and having Kylie give them a free ski lesson and, and giving them you know having them on the mountain sponsor them for a oh, ski cool. pass and outfitting them in gear and and really just actually bringing more women into the outdoors like mm -hmm. and not just saying that that's our mission but like right. truly doing it so physically doing I've, it yeah, exactly. So I think that'll be a very fun thing. We've also already started to partner um, with Share Winter and they actually bring youth into winter sports and they do it all 
all across the country. Um, they're bringing children into skiing and snowboarding at a younger age and kind of like facilitating that exposure to it. So they feel more comfortable approaching it, um, you know, throughout their life. And I think that's, that's a huge part of what we want to do as well is, is not only, you know, bringing adults who've never done it into the sports and, and women, but also allowing kind of, um, and, and also just helping like children be exposed to it as yeah. well. But yeah, I think those are, those are kind of like a few of the things we want to do aside from that, you know, again, building the community and, and really continuing to, um, really build a company around that concept of, of not only creating a company for women, but allowing them to feel comfortable approaching some of these sports. Totally. Yeah. And, and I would imagine that's a, um, that's a phenomenon where a, a rising tide would raise all of the ships, uh, where yeah. inclusivity in, in one niche or inclusivity for one group of people only casts that net wider to be able to include all types of people that want to participate. Yeah, exactly. No, and I'm happy you said that too, because I think that's even one of our initiatives now is, is really, you know, women, people of color, really allowing um, underrepresented groups in the outdoors. Just, we want the outdoors to be something that everyone is invited to. And I think that oftentimes, um, you know, brands that are really promoting this like super technical, like hardcore outdoors enthusiast, it, it really is exclusive. And um, that's something that we just, we want to be able to kind of have have a little bit wider of a net that we're casting. Yeah, it's, it's really wild when you look at, when you look at it as the whole picture, like how, not far we have deviated from like the Teddy Roosevelt National Parks era you know like the outdoors really like like you said it's it's really not all that different than it has been in the last hundred years so it's really cool that you guys are making these strides and making these initiatives around community feel like community and we've had this had this come up a couple times a couple different episodes community is one of those words that has diluted a lot I feel in the last year especially as like that's a concept that you know, you think about like the, the big vehicle company ads in the beginning of the pandemic that were like, we're all, we're all here together. We're a community. And it's like, oh, you've taken that word and now it doesn't mean anything for us. So the little guys have to build initiatives around a community. And it's so cool to hear that you guys will be sponsoring these events that physically get people, you know, butts in the seats, as we used to say in the theater, yeah. right? <laughs> get people involved in these activities. Yeah, I know it's so true. And I think that, you know, right, like community has kind of been an overused term and um, I see a lot of brands use it. And I think a lot of brands do it really well. And I think some brands just kind of throw it around and, you know, we definitely want to truly build and, and maybe we shouldn't call it a community anymore. Maybe it's something different than that, but, but sure. really being able to just kind of invite everyone to the party, whether that's through in-person events or kind of online activations that we're having Kylie teach people like you know if you're new to skiing where do you start with all of it you know how do you get a pass and how do you get a how do you like go about purchasing or renting skis and and what are the best for beginners and really just kind of um, educating as well and and really kind of creating a path for for more people to access it cool if you guys ever do a digital event on getting over fears of ski lifts let me know <laughs> i'm like oh certainly not well, <laughs> walking up the hill and i am not about riding in a ski lift <laughs> well i have a great story to tell you quickly about ski lifts oh yeah um, please it just <laughs> 
you, there's never too many good stories about people getting on and off chairlifts for the first time, although this was definitely not my first. But this past weekend, Ariana and I decided to take a trip to Park City um, to visit my parents and some friends, and we were skiing at Park City Mountain Resort, and um, we actually fell getting on the chairlift, so that was uh -huh. um, the first time uh -huh. that's ever happened to me, and hopefully the last, but a lot went down as the chairlift was coming at us. Ari can probably explain it a little bit better because I have to admit that I think it was her fault that it happened, but... <laughs> Ooh, called out. <laughs> but uh, we, both, we both went down together on that one. There you go. I don't know what she's talking about. She pulled me down with her. <laughs> I guess that's uh, team spirit, team mentality. It's all about community, yeah. right? That's it. Yeah, we're very community focused with one another. Yeah, if yeah. one goes it. down, the other, uh, the other comes with. Yeah, that is, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Live and die as a team. So let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, skiing and the outdoor industry as a whole and, and Kylie I'm, I'm really interested to tap into your experience being a professional athlete I'm not sure I've ever spoken to a professional athlete before so this is super cool uh I'm not really athletic in any way shape or form whatsoever uh so this is is going to be really insightful to kind of learn I, I I have to assume and again I'm coming from a place of knowing nothing about sports, but I have to assume that there are some similarities between the self-starter nature of being an entrepreneur and the mindset you have to be in to compete uh, professionally in athletics. Can you talk about kind of how those two are connected and maybe how they're not? <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, I would say that there are a lot of similarities when it comes to a professional athlete and an entrepreneur. Um, it's funny. I... I always say that, you know, being an athlete and training for so many years and finally making it to the Olympics, which is everyone's dream, you know, I always thought that that would be the hardest thing I would ever do in my life. And then I started this company and I'm like, oh my God, is maybe the Olympics wasn't the hardest thing. Maybe starting a company is actually going to be the hardest thing I've ever done. And there are definitely a lot of things that are similar between the two. Um, when I started doing aerials for the first time, you know, I had no idea what the heck I was doing. Um, we just to kind of give a little bit of a background for aerials when you're training in the summer before you do tricks on snow you jump into a pool and that's how you learn all your new skills so that you can make sure that you're ready to do them on snow so you don't get hurt basically um but when i first went to the water ramps my first summer of ever doing aerials um they told me to try a backflip for the first time and they were like yeah the jump will do it for you just like you know, ski down, go off the jump, go do the backflip, like super simple. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, I can do that. I was a gymnast. I know how to do a backflip. And yeah, it didn't go so well. I went off the jump, went straight up, straight back down and basically landed on my head. Luckily I was in the water, but you know, it's always a learning experience and I'm learning throughout my whole career with aerials and with being an entrepreneur. I'm, you know, there's so many things that you don't know when you're coming into it. And with aerials, I really had no idea much, much about the sport at all. I had never even really seen it in person before. And so when I started doing the sport, I was like, okay, so what do we do? We just go off jumps and you like learn how to do flips and twists. Like that seems kind of difficult, but like maybe something I could do. And I went to go watch them train in Lake Placid, New York, which is where I first started. And I watched them go for the first time and my parents were like, oh my God, you're not doing that. Like these people look crazy. Why would you ever want to do that? And I was like, no, no, like, I think I could do it. I think I could. And they're like, all right, if this is what you really want to do, 
then go for it. And they were super supportive. But like I said, you're constantly learning with aerials, you're learning new skills, you're learning how to perfect it. And you're always trying to grow as an athlete. And that's really the same thing with being a person that's starting your own company for the first time. When we started Half Days, I was like, okay, where the heck do we start? How do we begin? What's the first thing I need to do to start developing this product? So it's the same thing with both. You know, you're always learning, you're always growing, and you're always trying to become a better athlete, a better business owner. And really that mindset of just trying to be the best that you can and growing and working as hard as possible to better yourself, really. Do you see yourself becoming a, a serial entre- entrepreneur as, as time goes on? Is this like, <laughs> is this the new jump? <laughs> Maybe, who knows? I don't know. It's so funny because doing aerials, like I said, is from my description, you can probably tell was pretty scary. Um, aerials is not one of those sports that you just like go out and do for fun. Like it's really intense. You can get hurt pretty easily. And it's like, it's a pretty terrifying sport and you have to be super brave to do it. So it's a similar thing when you're jumping into starting your own company, like that's scary. You know, you, you really don't know what the outcome is going to be, but it's really just having that mindset of, of hoping that everything works out and doing what you can or the best that you can in order for yourself to become successful. And, you know, I'm glad to not be throwing myself off those jumps anymore, but I'm happy to still be, having that same sort of mindset where I might not injure myself, but I'm still (laughs) throwing myself out there and learning new things and um, trying to grow as a person in a different type of way outside of doing aerials. Totally. The, (laughs) the consequences are, uh, the consequences of failure are, sounds like they're similar and maybe different at a, at a physical level, but there's definitely. definitely, there has to be a, a fear of failure. Uh, definitely. I think that's a big, big motivating factor. Ariana, I have to ask, have you ever gone off of a jump like that before? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I, I fall in that camp too. I think that if, if somebody told me to go down a ramp and do a backflip and that the ramp would, or the jump would do it for me, that's like, that's the last thing I would ever listen to that person ever saying. I would be yes, so I, very I done. concur. <laughs> what, um, yes. What what have been, you know, obviously there's, there's the fear of a failure kind of as, as a the big umbrella, right? But what have been some of the scariest parts of the last year uh, in, in starting the business and how did you deal with them? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, we both can probably answer these questions differently. I yeah. think one of the, you know, scariest things for us, I think was the, um, I, I mean, there were a few, I think one we'd never done it before um my background is a little bit more aligned with kind of like what i'm doing at half days which is more like business operations um i was working in retail consulting before this for some large retailers so that was a little bit more aligned with kind of what we're doing now so i would say like the the fact of not having started a company before from the ground up um going through raising money during a pandemic was definitely also scary because you know we had to raise money to be able to actually pay for the product that we were all that we had already placed the orders for um that we didn't have money for when we placed it so i think that definitely is kind of i I think the unknowns were probably the scariest thing um going through a pandemic and, and not knowing if ski season was even going to open up for sure. 2021 and you know it got closed 
they got shut down early in 2020. And I think there were just so many things up in the air for everyone in so many regards financially, um, you know, for businesses opening up, like health in general. So I would say that is probably one of the scariest things and, and really not um, having any clue if people were going to buy the stuff. That's also another scary piece of it. So um, it's, it's just a lot of like things that were up in the air. And I think for me, the biggest thing that I really, really don't do well with is uncertainty um, and being in the startup world and building something from the ground up is 99% uncertainty. So yeah. um, I think that was definitely something I kind of had to overcome pretty quickly. But, um, you know, as soon as you start seeing things kind of turning up and, and your hard work paying off, you you kind of like ease a little bit with, with those things. Totally. I think it, it's such a hard uh, phenomenon to explain you know, say to somebody that maybe works in a bigger company or, you know, ha hasn't experienced that entrepreneurial small business hustle before this idea of like, if it's going to get done, I'm going to do it. And mm -hmm. that that's a hard, that's a hard uh, feeling to empathize with if, you know, there, there are, there are pros and cons to having a lifestyle where you punch out at the end of the day and that's the end. And then you think about other things I, there are certainly days where Definitely. I miss that a lot. <laughs> Specifically on Friday, I miss that a lot. But um, but yeah, it, it's it is it is a really cool experience to learn to rely on yourself in those moments. And Ariana, like you said, with with the funding where you, you know you had committed to these things and they were happening whether you had it or not. So you better you better have it. How did you go about um how did you go about that situation? How did you get what you needed? Yeah, um, so it was definitely a long process. And I think we weren't expecting it to take as long as it did. We started um, kind of in July of 2020, and we closed the round at the end of 2020. So um, I think there were multiple factors of that we I was asking a lot of different people, investors, VC funds, things of that nature, for money without even having a product to show them no sales, literally nothing like pretty much just an idea, a concept and like selling, you know, the confidence that I had to them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, my team and saying that these are the right people to be in this specific business. And I think this is why we're going to succeed. So it was, it was definitely really difficult um, to not really have like a prototype or anything to send them. And, you know, they're, they were just kind of banking on us as founders. So um, totally. I would say that that was, like a, definitely a very, very big learning curve for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely just persistence and and we heard no a lot. We, you know, had a lot of people turn us down because we were too early. That was like number one reason. We were just so early, not enough data for them to make an informed decision, which I can't blame anyone for. I think I might be the same way if I were sure. in the opposite side. Um, but, you know, we just kept going at it and, and talking to a lot of people and making the right connections with individuals that cared about what we were doing. That was my number one thing. If someone was interested in putting money in to our company, but they didn't really get what we were doing or they didn't resonate with it, I sometimes would just be like, we're going to try to find someone else because at the end of the day, people that are going to be invested in this and you know, we really want them to care and we want them to feel connected to what we're doing. And if we ever need something, we can reach out and, you know, they're there for us. So I think that was like the, the biggest thing for us and, and really trying to nail down 
those right investors and really um, close the round when we needed to. Totally. Yeah, that's a, again, that's a very unique challenge to the small business world where to find those people that really care and are dialed into the mission is so much more important than it is on that big, big, big scale. Cool guys. Absolutely. Well, I want to want to take the last couple of minutes uh, and kind of look look to the future, look big picture again. Let's zoom back out. Where do you guys see the brand? Let's say ten years from now, and where do you see in an ideal world? Um, where do you see the the industry? Yeah, I'll, I'll let Kylie talk about the product side of it a little bit more, but high level. Um, you know, we, we started this company to want to be a part of it for the long run. We see this growing and, and being something that is um, hopefully a part of every outdoorsy women's closet kind of staple pieces and um, really being able to be an overarching outdoor apparel brand um, is the goal and, and really being able to kind of step outside of just ski and, and look to other outdoor activities and things of that nature too. Um, but yeah, I think hopefully the industry, like for us, a, a win at the end of the day in five to 10 years from now is, you know, you, you go to the bottom of, of a ski mountain and you look up on the slopes and it looks a little bit more diverse or, you know, there's more people out there that maybe wouldn't be doing it or hadn't tried it before. There's more beginners. I think for us, that's a win. Um, I think more women in the industry overall would be a win as well. And I mean, as small as we are and how kind of inexperienced we are with doing this, I think we really hope to make a stamp on the industry that, you know, things need to change a little bit and we're here to shake things up. So I would say that's, you know, really where we hope um, the industry and kind of half days will be in 10 years from now. Very cool. Are, are you able to kind of flesh out uh, or, or at least begin to see what steps have to be made uh, on the, the, the industry landscape as a whole to be able to be a more inclusive space? Yeah, I think it's, a, it's definitely a really good question. It's a difficult question. I think that there are so many things that have to take place. I see it already happening. I think there are so many kind of leaders in the industry that are already making amazing moves for this um, in terms of diversity and inclusion. Um, I do think that there's a lot to go. And I think for us, if we're really able to build, I think it starts from within, within the company. So I think if mm -hmm. we're able to kind of create the internal culture of, you know, inclusivity and bringing beginners, like we just made our first hire actually. Um, what was it last oh. week, Kylie? And she has never skied in her life. So like, I think that was kind of a cool thing. Um, we're gonna teach her how to ski. And I think that's gonna be so much fun. But I think really starting from within and bringing in people that might be beginners or um, you know, are, are really representing groups that have been underrepresented in the outdoors specifically, I think that's really where it begins. And then being able to build a community and our brand around that concept and, and really just having that kind of at the forefront of our messaging and everything. And I think it kind of just builds from there um, and hoping that other companies see what we're doing and, and maybe can take notes and take from, take from that. And again, we're so small. And of course we're looking up to some of these brands and amazing things that they're doing with like sustainability and diversity and inclusion. But, you know, we really hope to also kind of make an impact and, and have other companies see what we're doing too. Totally. Thank you guys. Uh, you know, you, you speak to, uh, you know, a problem and a solution in your specific niche, but we can take 
that lesson and your approach and apply it to a lot of other different industries and social constructs and places that desperately need change and inclusivity. And I think it really, really does start with people that are, you know, thinking, thinking beyond just their footprint and, and considering the industry and the community there said it again, but the community as a whole. Yeah. Uh, so applaud you guys for the work that you're doing. Uh, I'm really stoked to see the things that you come out with this year and, and in, in years to come. Where's the best place for people that are just learning about you to, to follow along and, and join in on the journey? Yeah, it definitely, um, Instagram has been a, a great channel for us. We have really started to build the following there. I don't want to say the word community again, but right. it definitely is where we communicate with a lot of the individuals that follow along with our brand and our customers. Um, and also our website, halfdays.com and our Instagram is at halfdays. Very cool. Awesome guys. Well, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to finally meeting in person next time I'm out in the Denver area. Um, maybe I can be convinced to go to a mountain. Maybe, maybe. Yes, you have to. We'll, we'll teach you how to ski. Okay. I, I mean, that would be cool to be like, oh, I was, I was trained professionally. There we go. <laughs> we'll, we'll go that angle. Awesome. Perfect. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, keep the conversation moving and, and uh, talk soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm Lucas Fitz and this is AF Fireside. To learn more about all the brands featured on the podcast, check out fireside.shopaf.co and don't forget to subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is presented by Jamestown, a global real estate investment and management company known for transforming spaces into innovation hubs and community centers. Learn more at jamestownlp.com.